Welcome to another episode of A People's Theology. I'm the host of A People's Theology, Mason Menega. In this episode, I talk with Trey Pearson. Trey is a singer-songwriter and Christian LGBTQ activist. He has been featured on The View, The Human Rights Campaign, and has sold hundreds of thousands of records. Trey is also musically featured throughout this episode. You can get connected with Trey and his work in the links in the episode description. If you're a fan of A People's Theology, it would bring me no greater joy than if you gave the podcast a five-star rating and review. Tell me what you like about the podcast. Also, if you feel so inclined, please support my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Mason Meninga. There are multiple tiers with wonderful rewards, including papers I write to even a book club. Enough of my rambling. Enjoy more inspiring and liberating theology. Today I have Trey Pearson with me, and Trey is a musician and just all-around wonderful person in the world. Uh, so, you know, there's so much more to you, Trey, and we're going to talk a lot about that. Uh, but can you first off say, who is Trey Pearson to Trey Pearson? Ah, sure, yeah. Um, Trey Pearson, me, uh, I am a uh, musician, singer-songwriter that signed a record deal with a big record label, Christian record label out of Nashville uh, when I was 21 years old. Uh, been touring the world for the last uh, over like 19 years and wow. uh, or 18 years. And, uh, and then, yeah, married a girl, had two awesome, beautiful kids. And then seven and a half years in my marriage, uh, five years ago, Five years ago, uh, my life kind of hit the fan mm-hmm. and I came out of the closet to myself and my family. And so ever since then, I hung up my old Christian rock band every day Sunday and I put out my first solo album and I've been touring as a solo artist ever since. And that's a little bit of kind of a the quick wrap, I guess. <laughs> well, let's let's uh, let's actually do a deep dive into all of that. So as you mentioned, uh, sure. the last several years have sort of been very interesting for you to say the least. Uh, so let's yeah. talk a little bit before we jump into your history with Everyday Sunday and your involvement in the Christian music industry. Uh, can you share a little bit more of what happened in May of 2016 and what has happened since? Mm, yeah, I think it was like the last day of May uh, 2016. I decided to come out uh, publicly uh, to kind of, I guess, my fans or whoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, was listening, but I had just come out the the fall before that to myself and my family. And I, I realized in a lot of ways that I wanted to share my story kind of on my own terms. And, um, I, you know, this might be surprising to anyone listening, but, uh, if you've toured in a thousand, in, in thousands of churches, it's, it's amazing how quickly gossip can spread and, uh, and rumors can spread. And, um, me coming out, I was realizing, uh, I was slowly starting to make a list of family and friends and people I wanted to come out to personally. 
and realized that uh, people were saying all kinds of things all over the world, really. And uh, people were messaging me and hearing things. And I knew that I really wanted to tell my story on my own terms. And and I, I think there were a few things that kind of um, motivated that. I really wanted to, I wanted to do it in a way that I thought, you know what? I know closeted Christian rock stars to this day, uh, which is such a funny term, but uh, you know, kind of the biggest of the big mm -hmm. Christian music stars. Uh, I know several of them that are still closeted to this day. And, um, and you continually hear about people coming out and people that felt like they couldn't because they came from that industry. And I just thought, man, if one of these guys would have done this when I was a teenager listening to their music, I think about how much that could have impacted my life. And I thought, well, if there's a way I can share my story and in a way that can make a difference in somebody's life and help them in any way to keep from having to go through the hell that I did to accept myself. And I want to do that. And I also, you know, I just think, um, yeah, I definitely hoped it would make a difference in people's lives. And I, I wanted to do it in a way that I, I hope that one day as my kids get older um, and they realize the fullness of, of what happened, mm -hmm. that they'll be proud of me and mm -hmm. how I did it. And so, so I came out publicly, um, did not know who would care. I knew some people would care. But, um, you know, I, I don't think anyone had any idea how talked about it it would be. It becomes kind of the number one trending topic in the world mm -hmm. on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. And um, I ended up going on The View and I was talking to mm -hmm. The New York Times and Washington Post and Billboard magazine and all these different things, NBC. Uh, and uh, it just, it was a whirlwind. It felt very surreal. It felt like, um, like it didn't even make sense. You know, mm -hmm. I had some success in the Christian music industry, but it's not like I was like Amy Grant or DC Talk or, right. you know, some, I was not that A-level thing. Like I had a handful of number one US Billboard singles and 20 top tens, but in the Christian music world, that still doesn't even mean a whole lot. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's cool and it's a neat experience. And I, I had a lot of neat experiences in that world. But you can you can have number one singles and it still doesn't matter, I suppose. You know, it's not mm. like having a mainstream top 40 number one single or something like that. And so I think to kids that grew up listening to that, you know, it matters. Uh, but like in mainstream culture, not as relevant. And so then for all of a sudden to kind of share the most vulnerable part of my story, uh, to have that kind of be the most talked about thing mm. in my life to ever be a part of mainstream culture felt felt pretty uh kind of neat in a way that it didn't have anything to do with my music uh you know i you know i did i toured up to that point i'd already been touring for 14 years all around the world all 50 states 20 countries uh in within that context of being a christian rock band and um and so when you've played thousands of shows and a lot of kids grow up listening to Christian music. And by the time they get out of high school, they like move on to cooler music or, or, or like whatever. <laughs> yeah, taking back and, Sunday, uh, not everyday Sunday. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, this exists. This is awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's funny um, how many people that you had used to even listen to my band that maybe had stopped. And there were still a decent amount of people that were listening to me at that point, but a lot that had listened to me in high school and they're like, all of a sudden became interested in me again. 
uh, you know, because of the story and, uh, and was like, Oh, I used to listen to you. And, and so many people that were actually positive and that were reinterested and, and following my journey again it was, it's been pretty neat to see, but it's, it's been a wild few years. And, you know, that first summer, um, that I'd come out in 2016, uh, I got asked to do a few different pride festivals and, San Diego and Charlotte and in, in my home city of Columbus, Ohio. And, um, and then that same summer, um, I got asked to be the first, um, headlining artist on main stage at a Christian music festival that was openly gay. And so that was the first time that it ever happened. And, uh, this festival out in California, Joshua Fest, they had asked me after I came out, I'd played that festival probably seven, eight times. Um, uh, they're like, you know, we would love for you to still come and play on main stage same night as uh, Switchfoot, Reliant K and Five Iron Frenzy. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And so had all planned, um, had this group of guys, uh, kind of my backing band that was going to go play with me that were doing Pride Festival with me, too. I did got to open up for the Indigo Girls and uh, <laughs> Tulsa that that fall and uh, a week, be ten, eh, a week and a half. Nine or ten days before the festival, I got a call from one of the uh, um, head guys of the festival, and he's like, "Hey, uh, basically the whole uh, Sound and Light crew, which was like a faith-based company, threatened to shut the whole thing down if I came, and so they had to drop me at the last minute." And and he didn't want to. He's like, "I don't know what to do," and I knew I'm, I'm not going to make you cancel your whole festival because uh, because I'm coming and. Uh, and they were just going to refuse to turn on the sound and lights and or just not come if if they didn't take me down off the uh, off the festival lineup. And so, uh, you know, I'm friends with, uh, you know, the guys in Switchfoot and Re the Reliant K guys. And I, I knew a couple of the Five Iron Frenzy guys, but I'd listened to them growing up. I was a huge, you know, mm -hmm. kind of old school like fan as a teenager. And um, the Five Iron guys ended up calling me. And, um, they're just outraged about it. And, uh, they're like, well, what if, what if you still come? Cause all our flights were already booked. Everything was already right. set in motion. Like, what if you still come and hang out with us? And did you ever watch Five Iron Frenzy live as a kid? Did I never, I never got to see them okay. live. So they were just so known for their live show. They did the warp tour thing and everything too. Mm -hmm. And, um, they had a very, just, uh, great, great amount of credibility within, uh, ska culture and the warped world and all that. And they would always end with one of my favorite songs called every new day. Like they were just known for, it was, uh, from my favorite album of theirs, their second album, it was called our newest album ever. And, and they're like, what if you came up and sang with us on that song? We think that would be a great way we could show solidarity with you and we won't tell anyone <laughs> and we're just going to do it. And, um, and I was like, you know what, let's do it. Okay. And so, uh, kind of last minute we decided we thought we'd fill in uh aaron one of the owners of the festival there's two guys aaron and chris and we're like let's let them know and uh and we did and they were great great about it and uh and we we're just like let's all keep it hush and we're just gonna do it and so i i don't know why i'm sharing this with you but i showed up at the festival um you know i've been there at least eight times i don't know how many uh but you know like like this is my stomping grounds right mm -hmm. and so i'm getting out at the main doors of the festival and um i'm walking in every aaron one of the owners meets me at the door and every you know not everyone a lot of people knew who i was and everyone's like oh my gosh he's here and uh that was kind of a neat moment but i went backstage and 
had this really beautiful time with the guys from five iron and switchfoot and reliant k and they were all so supportive hugging me uh john foreman just crying that just telling mm. me how much he loves me still and i love that it was it, it was awesome it was such a i'm one of the best nights of my life and um so i i go up on the last song and not only do they bring me up but the guys from switchfoot and reliant k both came up to the sides of the stage they're cheering me mm. on and the whole crowd was so loving like everyone was just like it was this beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's, it's something I'll never forget, but, um, yeah. So, uh, it, like I said, it was a, a crazy summer, but that was a good way to cap it off Labor Day weekend mm-hmm. of 2016. And I think, you know, probably maybe the only, uh, openly gay person ever do pride festivals and, uh, be at a Christian music festival <laughs> like that. All and in the same summer. That, that, all in the same summer. And that, that was a pretty neat experience, but, uh, yeah. So that's kind of, a little bit of the whirlwind that that took. And ever since then, I've, uh, I've started this online group on Facebook called Trey's LGBTQ safe space. And I, uh, I started this thing that I call my safe space tour. And I just kind of go around with my acoustic guitar and, uh, sing my songs for people, my new, uh, solo music. And, uh, I'll break out some everyday Sunday songs and things like that. And, uh, I kind of do that and pride festivals and just sort of, you know, breweries, pubs, music venues, wherever people invite me to come. But um, doing my safe space tour is really uh, um, my main thing. And I just really love doing it. Uh, And then like, you know, things like last summer, I got to be at World Pride for the 50th anniversary Mm -hmm. since the uh, Stonewall riots. Mm -hmm. And I got to perform at a Broadway theater for it for this big event to kick off the week called Broadway Sings for Pride. And you know, like a, a kid who grew up in theater before I started my Christian rock mm-hmm. band. Uh, it was kind of a dream come true to be on stage with stars from Hamilton and the Lion King and uh, all these shows. It was just, I got to MC the whole night and then I kind of headlined the evening. And uh, to get to do experiences like that, I flew from there and got to do my safe space show at London Pride. And uh, it's just, it's been, it's been crazy very surreal you know i lost everything when i came out and and i obviously don't get to do uh the kind of shows i don't get to tour full-time with a band like i used to sometimes i get to take a band but uh it's definitely um money wise not what it was at one point but i'm just the happiest i've Mm. ever been in my life i'm so thankful to be where i am now and uh you know i look at where i am in my life like just a couple nights ago i had kind of forgotten even the date and Jonathan, my boyfriend, he had, he had sent me this really beautiful text that, uh, made me tear up a little, but he remembered the date that I told him, uh, when we first started dating that September 28th, 2015 is kind of the, not kind of, it was the night my life hit the fan. I had a really severe panic attack that night and I thought I was having a heart attack. I pulled off the freeway. Like I felt this crazy, um, tingling all through my arm. And I was like, Oh, I heard him. This is like what happens when you have a heart attack. And I don't think I did. I think it was a panic attack. I'd never experienced anything that severe before, but, uh, that is what led that, that night, uh, in kind of the events that took place are what led me to eventually, uh, over that next couple months, accepting myself, getting mm-hmm. counseling and help and coming to accept myself. And I reached out to an affirming pastor friend of mine at that point. And at that time in my theological journey, I'd really, um, come a long way. I didn't really think it was a sin to be gay anymore at that point. Um, and I was very lucky to have some amazing people that came into my life over those previous 
few years, um, like Rob Bell and uh, my friend Trip Fuller, uh, who's become one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was very fortunate to have these people that allowed me to ask them whatever questions I wanted to ask. And I really uh, kind of kept doing, going down this theological journey that um, helped me progress and progress to this point where I no longer thought it was a sin to be gay, but it still never felt like an option for myself because I was married and had kids and I just, uh, I, I thought, well, this is the end of everything if, if, if I were to be that way. And so that was sort of the beginning of me finally having to come to terms with that. One of the things that I find really interesting is for a lot of people who have a really similar story as to yours, and we know we're kind of in the same circles that, you know, we and we know a lot of people who have had those similar circles and many of yeah. them. And it, this is not a I, I don't think uh, this is an indictment on them, but many of them ultimately leave Christianity altogether. And I think that's yeah. a you know very valid, um, a very valid approach to to dealing sure. with the trauma that they have experienced. Um, yeah. What I'm curious is, why did you remain Christian? Why is that something that still matters to you, even though that many Christians have inflicted a lot of trauma on you throughout your life? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I ask myself the same question. <laughs> but uh, um, ever since I was a kid, I was that kid who always wanted to wear my faith on my sleeves and wear it out till it didn't work for me anymore. That that bleeds into all kinds of parts of of my faith and the faith that I grew up with, like growing up in a super Calvinist home and all of a sudden being in like a Wesleyan Armenian type, uh, um, mega church. Like I was like this suppressed gay, you know, sexually oppressed gay kid trying to pretend that wasn't there wrestling with Armenianism versus Calvinism as like a 15 year old who does that. Right. And that, that was me like wondering like, Oh, is it once saved, always saved? Or is it like, uh, you can lose your salvation or are we predestined or do we have free will? And, you know, like, just like I wrestle, like I was like having demons about all this kind of stuff as a kid that most, most kids just don't care about. And, um, and then it was like, you know, do I have to be baptized? Does God want me to be immersed with water? Like, you know, like I grew up in a church that didn't believe in that. And like, it was always like, what do I think about this? And then like, even growing up in that mega church youth group, I had like youth leaders that made me burn all my secular CDs. And uh, I, like even my Lion King soundtrack, like, <laughs> and it was like, that's like the, you know, they didn't believe in drinking. And so it was always wrestling with like, oh, is it okay to listen to 
to quote unquote secular music or like watch rated R movies or drink or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And just, or cuss, like, you know, like all this mm-hmm. stuff that was just so, so weird. And I look back and I, there were so many times in those times that I would just be constantly reading through the entire Bible, wanting to understand what is God's will for me? It wasn't just about a gay thing. It was about all kinds of things. Will God be mad if I have a sip of alcohol? I never even took a sip of wine or beer until I was, what, 29, I think. You know, wow. like, uh, um, I just, uh, I don't think I uh, ever said a quote unquote cuss word until my mid 20s. Like, just weird stuff, right? Like, super, super odd that had nothing to do with what Jesus ever was teaching about but like mm-hmm. we're still a big deal in like the weird um denominations and things or or non-denominational things mm-hmm. i was a part of and uh and so like there were times that I would, I would just be so brokenhearted about different things whether it was about uh the pushing down this part of who i was with my sexuality or whether it was uh, just goofy things like secular music and cussing and mm-hmm. alcohol. Uh, I was always like, well, I don't know. There were points where I just, I remember getting to the point at maybe like 18 where I was like, I don't know. I still didn't know what I thought about Calvinism versus Armenianism. <laughs> and I, I was like going off to Indiana Wesleyan University mm-hmm. and my dad's all concerned because they might sway me to think that predestination is not true. Like this is real stuff. Right. right? And, um, and I just, I just got to this point where I was like, well, what is like the heart of what I need to uh, know to be true? And like, I, I found so much even uh, peace and and like maybe just like, oh, like I could breathe when uh, when Jesus was like, what's the greatest commandment? It's to love your neighbor as yourself and to to love God with all your heart, mm-hmm. right? And or maybe some backwards, but anyway. Uh, the first is love God with everything you have. The second is love your neighbors yourself. And then I've, in one of the letters in the new Testament later, uh, I think it's Peter or Paul affirms like uh, that the greatest commandment can all be summed up in this to love your neighbors yourself. And, and, and I, I think I got to this point where I started when I felt so failed and everything that I thought to be true, or I couldn't get two verses to make sense of each other. And they seemed like uh, contradictory and I was trying to believe this thing was like inerrant and infallible. And like, uh, mm-hmm. I got to this point where when things kept breaking down, where I just thought, well, if if it is to follow Jesus, if all I have to think about is, can I love my neighbor as myself? If that's what Jesus said, it meant to, to, to be a follower of him, which, you know, he didn't call a Christian, but, you know, people did later. Uh, if that's what it is for me to identify as a Christian, can I do that? And I would just say, yeah, I can do that. And, mm-hmm. and I still like had this like love for this faith tradition I grew up with, believing that Jesus loved all the little children of the world, mm-hmm. right? And then it's not until you're like a uh, um, preteen or adolescent that you find out he only loves some of them or, you know, <laughs> uh, and, but like that, that childhood love of, hope that there's something more going on in the world than what we see you know uh i mean there's so much i could go on and on about but when i'm 11 years old and i find out that my uncle my mom's brother is hiv positive and, and it's 92 so he, there's no uh anything to help with that at this point mm-hmm. so it's a death sentence and um you know at 12 years old he he dies of aids and to, to have this hope 
that there is something more, that there is this God mm. that loves us, that this is not the end, that maybe there's something more going on than what we understand. Um, I loved having that hope as a kid. And I now as a father, um, I ask myself the same questions and I'm like, uh, well, do I still think that, you know, maybe the, the sum of my faith tradition is to love my neighbor as myself. Mm. And that's what it means to love God, whatever God is, whatever God means, uh, whatever is, do I like having hope that there might be something going on in the universe, uh, more than what I understand? And, and can I call that God? And, and, and if I can't even fathom what that is or understand what that is, if the closest I can get to understanding that is to love my enemy, to love my neighbor, to love the least of these, to take care of those in need. Um, do I still believe in that? Yeah, I think I do. Hmm. And I mm -hmm. still want to give my kids uh, when there's things that we just don't understand to, to, to give them hope and say, hey, in our faith tradition, we like to believe that there's something more and we call that God. And, and there's this guy, Jesus, who who told us that the closest we can get to understanding what God is, is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Like that's what we believe in. And it doesn't matter if people have come from the same faith tradition that we do, or if they have a belief or don't have a belief or are not sure what they believe or they're against beliefs, we don't care. All we care about is loving our neighbor. And that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I just, I still get down with that. Like I'm mm -hmm. still, I still gives me hope. And, uh, I, you know, on uh, my way down here, I'm in Atlanta right now. Uh, I started reading Rob Bell's new book. Mm -hmm. And uh, that guy came into my life uh, in 2009. Uh, my former wife was pregnant with our first child, our daughter Liv. And uh, I was on tour up in Michigan. And I'd been listening to his podcast. And um, I... Uh, you know, of course loved, he did these things called NUMA videos mm -hmm. that like every church had to have. And it like definitely as somebody who grew up reading the Bible over and over and things I couldn't make sense of, it felt like he was breathing new life into some of those things. And, and I got the chance to uh, go to his church and hear him speak. And he had already released uh, his first uh, few books, uh, Velvet Elvis mm -hmm. and Sex God and Jesus Wants to Save Christians. And I just had like really, uh, uh, become, he had already become kind of my favorite author and really had spoken new as this kind of young 20 some year old who's uh, touring the world, who's been all over the world. And you start to see people that think different things in different places. And some, some of the things I used to think were falling apart because that's what happens when you travel the world and you see that not everybody thinks the same way mm -hmm. that you do. Uh, it's like, he was giving me this chance to ask questions that I had forgotten how to ask. And that, you know, like when you turn 12, 13, all of a sudden you realize it's not okay to ask those questions anymore. And all of a sudden there's somebody like Rob who is allowing me to ask those questions again. And um, I thought I, I have to go see this guy. And so I went to uh, his church and I hung around afterwards and I got a chance to, to meet him. And I was so nervous. It's funny. I've met some pretty famous like rock stars and I, don't get nervous at all, but like, this is my favorite <laughs> author. So I was like, you know, sweaty. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Orange County with Jack Black, but mm. uh, Jack Black's little brother is like just his dreams to go to Stanford because his favorite author is a professor there. And he finally gets to go meet him. It's a great <laughs> movie. Anyway, that was my experience with meeting Rob and, and Rob got quite the kick out of that, but you know, he'd, he'd known who my band was and he, uh, 
he offered, he was getting ready to do a tour that fall called, um, his drops like stars tour for a mm. uh, coffee table book he was putting out, which is a gorgeous, beautiful book. And he invited me to come hang out with him on that tour. And, uh, and we slowly became friends. He kind of became a mentor of mine. And that's really what allowed me. I mean, he was kind of the gateway drug that brought me into a world that allowed me to think about things in ways I hadn't ever been mm -hmm. able to think about them with the lens I had been given growing up to read the Bible mm -hmm. and how, how I had understood my faith and even all the things I had wrestled with up to that point. Um, I, it, I was beginning a shift at that point where I got to start thinking about those things in new ways. And, um, and so, yeah, that was 09. And so by the time we get to 2015, uh, I was able to, you know, and during that time he eventually, he was, uh, love wins came out, you know, a couple years later and I, we'd already been talking about all those things. And I, I had been asking him all these questions about those things. And he, uh, kind of steps down from his church after that and moves out to uh, Orange County. And I had started going out th there and he would like take me out surfing with them and let me just ask him questions. And one time he was out of town and he put me in contact with uh, Trip Fuller mm -hmm. and uh, became close to Trip. And same thing, got to start feeding off his mm -hmm. brain. I'd start mm -hmm. staying with him and his family. He's getting his doctorate out at Claremont out there. And uh, we just became the best of friends and uh, between, you know, between those guys and them introducing me to their world and, and new ways of thinking, it really, uh, I think prepared me for, uh, where I was going to come to, uh, a few, you know, mm -hmm. several years later, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been quite the journey to get to where I am now, but I, I look at that, even that, that those pivotal moments and over this last decade of goodness how, how just how far i've right. come it's it's pretty pretty surreal to think about that's so cool so with all of that said uh with especially with your work uh and your, your safe spaces work and your music how do you yeah. see your work being inspiring and liberating theological work mm. yeah i think uh you know i've realized that like there are so many people that had to do a ton of work before me to even be steps in my life to allow me to get to experience the freedom that I finally found. Mm. And I have realized that man, all, with all the work that I do with my art, with my music, uh, with my touring, with uh, even like a safe space group on Facebook or to uh, talking on these podcasts or whatever it is, um, all of these things, I hope. And I and I'm lucky to get to see uh, the fruit of some of it, which I love my little Christianese words here. But uh, <laughs> um, just to get that, sorry, <laughs> I can't help but feel triggered when I say oh, things. Where I'm like, oh my gosh. All right, but anyway, uh, to to get to to, I think about all the things that were steps in my life, and I, I just think about my work as getting the chance to be a step in somebody else's life to to hopefully help them be on a journey that they can know that they are loved exactly as they are. And um, I, I, I don't see my job at all to get people to believe what I believe or think like I think, mm -hmm. but I see it as uh, allowing people to know that they are loved as they are, because whatever hope that or belief that I have in a God or, or spirit or being or whatever you want to call it greater than me, uh, that that connects us all um whatever it is that i have with that is uh 
is that is the deep belief that we are loved and that's and and that means you're loved and that means whoever is experiencing whatever it is they are about my life i want them to know that they're loved and and there's nothing you have to do there's no expectation uh and oh what even started me on talking about rob i was reading his new book uh everything is spiritual i i picked it up at my favorite local bookstore yesterday and i was like it's taking me too long to get it and i was like oh my gosh i need to get this before i leave and um just even uh in the first 20 pages i was just a sobbing mess uh because there's so many things that can make you put up necessary walls sometimes you know like or or maybe a better word is like necessary boundaries Mm -hmm. uh you know like i am a deep believer in that um vulnerability and authenticity are what connect us but at the same time i've also learned that there are people that can do extremely damaging hurtful things to us even when they think it is love and and i'm constantly having to find the balance between um healthy boundaries and vulnerability and authenticity with people and um uh just getting this reminder reading the beginning of everything is spiritual of uh people in my life that uh have hurt me so deeply that i that i was literally just thinking yesterday like sometimes i just don't want to be empathetic you know, so, uh, to those people. It just hurts too bad sometimes because mm-hmm. of the pain they've caused me. And, um, and just realizing that sometimes, yeah, sometimes people do need to walk away from people. That's extremely important and can be healthy for your own mental health and for your own well-being. But uh, I'm realizing gosh, I'm just not ready to give up on certain people. Mm. There's people that uh, have hurt me so bad that I just love. And uh, I see this way that we're connected and the deepness of it, even with my own parents. Uh, mm-hmm. And and just, I realize sometimes, and I'm not saying everyone has to do that, uh, but for me, I've realized that I just want to keep trying. Mm-hmm. And uh, as bad as it hurts sometimes, like, uh, I don't want to look back one day and wish I had tried harder. And, um, but, you know, it goes back to why I hold on to this hope and, and this, this, this uh, faith tradition that I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that I, I do, I do like having hope and belief that we're all connected. And um, I like to call that God. Mm-hmm. And I love the, um, the tradition of Jesus I grew up with, which mm-hmm. is just to love people and to stop judging people and to uh, maybe judge things in a righteous way when when um, when the marginalized are taken advantage, when the when we don't care about the poor, when when we look at how we want to do life as a community. Uh, yeah, I think I actually care about all those things, and it makes me still want to be doing what I'm doing, and it and it gives me. Um, motive for for the work that I do you know it gives me passion for the work I do joy and I'm still doing things that and more than ever that I think uh, are things that are things that I know that my kids can be proud of me for mm-hmm. and because I'm doing things that make me come alive and um, yeah I love it mm-hmm. last question Trey how can listeners yeah. get connected to you and your work uh, yeah, um, they can go to TreyPearson.com. Uh, of course, all the social media things, it's just at Trey Pearson. 
on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And then uh, I think my YouTube is the real Trey Pearson, but uh, it's pretty easy to find me, I think. But yeah, I'm constantly doing work through my music and through my even my videos that I, uh, I, I, I love getting to do this art and I'm very passionate about it. And, uh, and so, yeah, all my music's on Apple music and Spotify and, um, all those things. And if you ever get a chance to come out to my safe space tour or see me at a pride festival or any concert, uh, um, I, I have vinyls and, and those kinds of things too, but I, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope to, uh, connect with anyone, uh, online or or in person uh on i'm constantly finding new dates of course this year has been pretty impossible right. for that but i'm hopeful that one day there will be a vaccine and we'll get to experience live concerts the mm. way they're meant to be one day so for sure for sure yeah. well thank yeah. you so much for sharing your story uh you know mm. it, it's one of those things where i don't get to interview a person often where uh as much as it might have been uh, unknown to you you have been a part of my life for over 15 years um wow. and so it's just really cool to talk with somebody who's been a part of my life for that long mm. um i don't get to do that every day so thank you so much for sharing your work uh i am so proud of who you are in the world and so uh, and i'm just excited for all the great amazing things you're doing that really means so much mason you don't know what you've been missing oh boy when you're with me oh boy the world will see that if you'd like to connect with trey and his work you can find links in the episode description thank you again for listening to another episode of a people's theology If you liked what you heard, please give the podcast a five-star rating and review. Also, please support the podcast at my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Mason Menega. And remember, friends, go and be the theology to the world that inspires and liberates. Stars appear and shadows are falling I can hear my heart calling A little bit of loving will make everything right I'm gonna see my baby tonight Cause all my